really answer that. Like that was that was their decision. So, uh, but no, the the truth is is you know I clean carpets, I install carpet, I do a lot of flooring type stuff, um, but I have a testimony. And that's why I'm here this morning is because I have a testimony and things to share because God has impacted and transformed my life. And so part of what I want to share this morning is you all might have other things that people know you as around Big Sandy, right? You might have other labels on identity that might be multi-generational, but you have a testimony. If you've been uh, involved in the body of Christ, if Jesus Christ has come and, and saved you from your sins and caused transformation to come and happen throughout your life, you have something to share. God has a calling on your life, and you have a responsibility to take that thing, that, that ever-flowing spring that Jesus promises to be in our life. It's overflowing, right, into the people that are around us. And so uh, I might be a carpet layer and a carpet cleaner, but I have a testimony and things to share. I can't keep within just myself, just like you guys all should have the same living water bubbling up forth from your own life. So I'm going to dive in and I'm going to jump into a couple things. But first, I'd like to start off with prayer. Father God, we just thank you for this morning. What a beautiful day that you have blessed us with. God, you have surrounded us with blessings and gifts. We thank you. We acknowledge who you are and who we are in your presence this morning. And so we just pray that that the words that we read from Scripture would come alive and bring forth the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. I pray that the testimony that I share would, would go forward into the, the people here and that it would spur on and fan the flame of passion that the Holy Spirit has already been kindling within them, uh, that your will would be done with us here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So yeah, just briefly on leadership focus, because technically that's why I go around and I am able to talk at some different churches, is leadership focus is the National uh, Church of God movement. It's their way of providing training for credentialing, for licensing, and ordaining pastors, ministers, and, and leaders. And so, um, as he said, I had the great opportunity of kind of being the first guinea pig. They, I, you know, that just seems to be my lot in life. You know, like, I don't know how this works. You know, let's see if this hard hat works. Let's try it on Ben. You know, and uh, that's just been kind of part of the story of my life. Uh, but I had the great chance to go through it, go through the training. It, it had a, a lot of great things about it. It had some gaps that we're working on trying to fill in as a state. But then uh, Jeremy, as well as Alex in Columbia Falls, have been going through. They completed all of their coursework through there, and it's been fantastic to, to get to know them. And so as I speak through a little bit about calling and about uh, the ability that we have to work with each other, to, to work and grow, that's what leadership focuses for. If you feel like you have uh, more of a full-time calling of really wanting to reach out and pour into the lives and lead the people around you, um, then come and talk to me about it. It's a, it's a three-year program. It's six six-month modules that you go through. Jeremy can tell you a lot about it. Um, it's not completely overwhelming, but it's not easy either. It's, it's a lot of effort that you have to put in. You have to be willing to acknowledge a lot of things about yourself 
and, and grow alongside a cluster of about four or five other people throughout the country who are going on the same journey as you. And so you learn a lot about yourself, a lot about theology, a lot about service and connecting. Um, and uh, really, they've made it very inexpensive. So if you go through the three-year process, it costs right about $1,000 for all three years. Um, so for someone like me who got married young, had kids, had a job, was working 60 hours a week a lot of times, and you're trying to say, uh, you know, they want me to go to this Bible college and spend 40 grand a year, that's just not going to happen. Like, I, I'm, I can't take that path, or I don't feel like that's the one God is calling me to. Leadership focus can, can really help spur on and, and help people through that. So I'll share the message, but then I'll come back. If any of you want to find out more information, I would love to sit and talk to you, uh, along with Jeremy, who can highlight a lot of his experiences as well. Uh, I'd love to, do, to be able to do that. So as I said, we grow up in different places, right? I grew up in Libby, Montana. We moved out there in 1990. We started out in a school bus in a park with not really a whole lot to our name. And that was where my journey began. Um, we experienced a lot of pain, a lot of heartache throughout life, through church systems, religious systems that we were a part of. And, you know, a lot of times we start to just bring on an identity within ourselves, right? And some might say that, that we kind of have this sign. People view us and they see us as a certain way, whether it's your, your last name and the connotations that go with that or the ranch that you might be the head of and, and what you obviously do uh, for a living. Uh, we have these different signs that we carry around and our experiences create this within us. And so, you know, before I get going too much on here, I'm trying to think now. Pastor Eric told me I have about 30 minutes. But I also know that around every the, uh, pastor, there's kind of a time zone change, right? So what is 30 minutes in Eric minutes? So that's what I'm trying to figure out here is where that correlates. About an hour. Okay, okay. So I got that figured out. So... Anyway, we have these signs that start to become who we are based on our experiences, based on the family we grew up in um, and all that. And I have a sign here that for a long time was, was my sign. As a matter of fact, my brother made it for me. And here you can see it says, one man with courage is a majority. I want you to think about that for a minute. Because at the time, I thought that this was my sign. And it was impactful. It, it helped me bolster up energy and courage. And, and, and I felt like it was me against the world. Has anybody else ever had those feelings where maybe that was a part of your, part of your sign, a part of your identity? The more I dove into Scripture, though the more I had to wrestle with and realize that I don't think this is supposed to be my sign as a child of God. And for a lot of us in America, a lot of us in small towns that just learn to go out, make things happen for ourselves, work our butt off until we make things happen, um, that can become a part of our identity 
But our identity isn't supposed to come from those things. Jesus said that he died to give us a new identity. And so we're going to dive in a little bit about that. But I want you to be thinking through this process is what has your sign been? What have you taken on for yourself? And is it a biblical one? I heard you guys were going through Ecclesiastes 3 and 4, and so uh, I won't dive into a a deep dive of theology over that scripture. Pastor Eric and Jeremy will do a fantastic job of of doing that for you. But as I was going through and reading over these scriptures, especially getting into chapter 4, and you get around verses 9 through 11, and it starts talking about community. Right, you, you look at all these things, work, and these, these uh, things of life that start to captivate us, and we chase after, and it's really all in vain. And then he starts going and pivoting, talking a little bit about community and what it means to not just try to be a majority on your own. I mean, let's be honest. Have you guys ever tried to be that majority on your own? And where do you end up? Like those verses say, if you, you, you do really great until you fall into that pit. And guess what? When you're in a pit by yourself, there's no way out. You need to have somebody else reach in and give you a hand up and a hand out of that pit. As I read through that and I looked across my community around Libby, and I don't imagine that your community here is all that different, I could see something, and I could see um, even just as, a, as a, a week or two ago, a young lady she from high school, she got off the school bus, immediately walked out to the train tracks, and took her life. And so as I read through these scriptures and think about people falling in pits and being alone and, and working with youth for seven, eight years now in Libby, as I, as I look and I see all these people... And they got their TikTok and they got their their Facebook and they got their Instagram and they're all sitting down in a pit and saying, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. And they're sitting there trying to convince themselves everything's all right, that there's someone else with them. But the truth is, is they are sitting in that pit that they fill in and they're all alone. Maybe you guys have experienced that. Maybe you're there right now this morning. It's been a part of my story. And I want to share a little bit of logger culture. Now, I know you guys have some different farming and ranching culture in there, but to share a little bit about what logging culture is, and that's where my part of the state is, we have a thing called logger days where there's all these events going on. And we come together and people, they take their skills and they put them to the test and they go up and compete against each other. And I saw three events. And as I saw these three events unfold, I also saw my Christian life kind of unfold in these three different pieces. The first event is the log climb. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen a log climb, but, you know, the, uh, these loggers, they got these special boots with spikes and they got the strap and, and they want to race to the top of this pole and then back down as fast as they can, right? And they go head-to-head in this challenge. And as I was sitting and watching these guys fly up the log pole 
and then fly down, I thought back through my Christian walk is, is I was a young person and I was excited about God. I was excited about the gospel and I wanted to read the Bible and learn more is I saw these other people going and I thought we were kind of going together, right? But as one of us would start to get ahead of the other, I started to notice something. See, if, if I was further ahead than somebody and I was memorizing more scripture and I was exhibiting something more Christian than somebody else, they would look up and the people around me would say, why are you looking down on me? You're being so judgmental because you're up at a different place than the rest of us are at. And then those that were further up from me looking down at me saying, why can't you get it figured out? Look at you. You're so much further down this pole than anybody else. And I was alone and I was disconnected. The second stage of my Christian walk within the church was, uh, was something called a, raw, a log rolling contest. Have you guys, has anybody ever seen a log rolling contest? Like, it's amazing what these people can do. They get on this log out in the water and there's two people... And it's like this, this crazy, uh, like clogging type dance that they're doing back and forth. And they're making this log roll while they're keeping their balance. And they're trying not to fall into the water, going back and forth. And they'll be just running pell-mell one way. One person will stop it and start spinning it the other way. And it's just amazing to see these people up keeping such an amazing balance there again, I had things in being a part of youth group and trying to plug in and learn how to do ministry and grow inside of my church. And I had people with me out on the log. And at first I thought, this is kind of fun. We're challenging each other a little bit, right? We're going back and forth and it's kind of like this cool dance, but ultimately we're having a good time together. But then ultimately you start to realize that the other person's ultimate goal is to be victorious, and the best way that they can feel best about themselves is for you to end up in the water. Sometimes I saw other people fall in the water. Sometimes I might have helped a little bit myself because I wanted to feel better about myself, and then other times I felt like I was in the water, and there again, I was alone and separated. Then the third event come in, and this is the one where my son was able to, to go and participate. It was the two-man buck saw event. Has anybody ran a two-man buck saw before? Uh, there's not a lot of trees and stuff to do, but you've probably seen them on Mountain Man or whatever you know type TV shows you see. It's a big saw, and it's got a handle on each end, right? And it's two people working in tandem to make something happen. And it's amazing. You see people, men who are skilled in this, and they expertly do it. I mean, it's like five cuts, and they can go through a log this big. I mean, it's just it's amazing and fantastical to watch. And so I watched my son do his, and of course, his, you know, six- and seven-year-old kids, it's binding up, and it's going sideways, and it's, it's being goofy, kind of like if you have, you know, your kids drive the tractor out in the field, you know, it normally isn't a straight line, you know, it goes all over the place. Uh, but it's a lot of fun to watch. 
Then two kids came out. And you could tell, I don't think they were siblings. They, you know, paired up because they needed a pair. They didn't really like each other. And they started going, and it went south fast. I mean, it bound up. And if you've ever worked on a saw like that, you realize you can't push right? Because it's a flexible blade, and if one person is pushing, it binds up. And so what it is, is each person has to pull from their end, and the other person just kind of facilitates that pull. Anyway, they were both trying to push, and it did not work well. And so it got bound up, and the one kid on one end threw his hat on the ground, and he stormed off the field, And the one that was left there alone, he was sitting there holding his handle, just shocked, and he didn't know what to do. I sat and I watched it until there was a man who came out of the crowd, and he said, let me come in here for you. And it was so amazing because with his skill, he probably could have done most everything on his own to cut through that log and try and still get a good time or whatever else that he might have had intention to do. What he chose to do instead changed my view on logging events. It also changed my view on Christian life together. What he did is he grabbed a hold of this And he said, okay, pull. And as the boy grabbed on the other end and he started pulling up and away, the master, he changed his grip and his placement of the saw so that every stroke that that little boy took, it took a little bit more wood out and a little bit more wood out. And every time if he made a little bit of flaw or a little bit uh, to the side or too high or too low, this man would go and just adjust his end so that every stroke took out a little bit more and a little bit more. Every, he made it so every effort that this boy put in was productive. And I thought, what a picture of discipleship of what it's supposed to be in this. And so much of my Christian walk is I was looking and begging and hoping for somebody to be that person on the other end to help me with all my striving, all my struggles, to just help me learn how to be productive. I'm not going to get it all right, but I'm trying as hard as I can, and no one stood up to fill that gap. If you can, you can turn with me. Or I think we have some verses here. Hebrews 10.19 We're going to go through, because as I was thinking through this, this is the passage that came to mind. 10.19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Now, if you go back into the previous chapter and that, it's talking about how Jesus is a more sufficient sacrifice than anything in the past. Right? Everything is bought and paid for and taken care of. And everything before, all the sacrifices that were just but a shadow, Jesus came in fulfillment. So he's saying, therefore, since we have confidence now, the, the way has been cleared, we can enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, 
with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir one up, up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see, you don't have to go through things alone. The things that we strive hard for are already bought and paid for. Jesus Christ already did that hard work for us. Our identity is not meant to be in our work or the things that we can do in ourselves or the family that we come from. Jesus bought and paid for a new identity for each and every one of us. I want you to take a minute and look around at the people in this church. Now, many of them you know and might know very intimately. You might know their families very well. Something is, I think back, um, in coming to a place like Big Sandy, I, I, I love it because there's some families in our church who have been there a really long time. And I think about like Jean and, and Lorraine Decker. And I mention, hey, I'm going to go to Big Sandy and I see a twinkle in their eye. And it's like, oh, Ben, let me tell you about the people that I remember from Big Sandy. And even coming here today, I was able to meet some, some folks that, that had the same twinkle in their eye as they thought and, and remembered the people of Libby. The shameful part of it is why that's only with people who have been involved with things so long ago. See, the people in my church and the people in, in your church that have been here five years, I want to see the same twinkle in our eye when we say, do you know the body of Christ that's over in Libby? Oh, I know some people in Libby. I got a D.C. sweatshirt from somebody in Libby. Right? I got memories. I got life. I got testimony with somebody over in Big Sandy. Right? We're not all in this alone. So that's kind of a side point, but I just love being able to be here and be a part of that and hopefully build towards something new. Because as you go on and talk to generations about other uh, parts of church across the state, I want you to have a twinkle in your eye. But look around because you guys know the people in these pews. I don't know many of you. See, you probably know the pits that you're in, that your neighbors are in. Deep down, if you had to ask yourself, you know if they're feeling really lonely or not. I want you to be honest with yourself. I want you to realize that Jesus died so that he could come in that pit that we were in, in our denial and saying, I'm not alone, I'm not alone, please something make me feel like I'm not alone. And Jesus didn't come in and say, have no fear, don't feel alone down there. And then walk away. That's not what he did. He says, you're in a pit. You don't have to be alone anymore. Right? And he reached out. Now, I want you to think, if you have been a pit in a pit in the past and have come out, and Jesus has made that invitation, and you have followed through with it, I want you to picture that hand reaching down into your pit. See, for many of us, 
even though it was the hand of God reaching out to us, it had the form of maybe someone sitting next to you, maybe someone in a past church. Right? The hands might not have been nail-scarred hands, but maybe they were weathered and worn ranch hands filled with calluses as they reached into your life and said, you don't have to be alone anymore. Come and be relationship with me. There's people that are lonely in the pews in the community around you, and God wants to reach into their pit and reach out and tell them, you don't have to be in a pit alone anymore. The Holy Spirit's already working. He's drawing. He's getting them prepped and ready for it. But God doesn't just want to reach into that pit alone. He wants to use your hands to do it. So here's my challenge to you guys. If you're in a pit and you've fallen in alone and you say, there's just not been anybody to help me out. Stop trying to convince yourself I just need more courage because then I'll be a majority. Then I won't need anybody else. God has a different plan for us. He's brought brothers and sisters and a body to function around and lift us up together. And so if you need that, take this morning, reach out to Pastor Eric or Pastor Jeremy or someone else here, you know, and say, I need a hand. I need to not be alone anymore. If God has showered his grace on you and provided someone else to do that in your life and you say, I'm in a good place, then God wants to use your hands in the lives of other people around you. I want to close by just saying this. There's a big reason why I wanted to come over and be a part of this transition in Jeremy's life. And that's because about eight, nine years ago, my wife and I closed on a new house. And three days later, I slipped on the ice and I shattered my ankle. I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. I was on all kinds of painkillers. I can't even tell you much from that time period other than like how many ceiling tiles I had above my bed. Because that's about all I was sitting there and counting for several months. And it was in that moment, we were just starting to go to the church in Libby, and we had an old house that needed to be fixed up so we could rent it out, as well as move everything and get my family up to the new house. And this little church, the Libby Church of God, who I didn't know that well, who weren't in my age group, who had different views on just about everything uh, of what I enjoyed doing in life, they surrounded me, and they came together, and they helped raise the roof a little bit. They came and did sheetrock work, and they did some flooring work, and they helped me get a renter in, and they moved our stuff up to the house with my bride so that we could be in our new house. And I want to tell you that that transition in my life was transformational in my life because for one of the first times in my entire life, I felt like somebody was coming and grabbing the end of of the two-man buck saw for me. They weren't waiting for me to fall. They weren't trying to twist the log out from under me and laugh at me when I failed. They were there for me. And all the effort I had to give at that moment was not very much, but they did everything they could to make my every, every effort productive. And so when I heard Jeremy was moving and stuff was going on here, I was like, I want to be a part of that. A big reason I'm still at that church eight years later is because of the love they showed me in a matter of like a couple days, eight years ago. 
you have people in your congregation that are in transition right now, right? There's people moving. Uh, Eric went and got some passion up and ready and going for the church. You're probably going to see some transitions in, in their life, right? You know what's going on in your body. I drove six hours to be here and be a part of it with them. So I want to challenge you. Reach out, take some time, be a part of these things in the lives of the people that God has put in your life to steward. Now, as you look and you say, maybe God has put a calling on my life. For me, it was about three years old where I knew he had given me a gift bigger than I could contain, and I had to share it. I knew I wanted to spend my life sharing it. And it took me decades to find an outlet to be able to grow in that and figure out how to do it well. And that came through leadership focus. And so if there's any of you that say, man, there's been a burning desire in my heart, I want to lead spiritually well. I want to, be, I want to grow and, and, and answer that call that God's put in my life. Come talk to me afterwards. I'd love to, to iron out some details and talk about ways to, to help you move down that path. But even if you don't feel like full-time ministry is your your full-time end goal, God has a job and a calling for you right here today, and that involves you all as a corporate body. So uh, with that, I'd like to turn it back over to Pastor Eric, and uh, we're right right about an hour, right? I didn't have a timer. I'm pretty sure it was about what I usually do. Uh, Uh We're going to close in prayer. Uh, he said 15 is what we would do, and he did 30, so it's about pa- – that's pastor time, right? Yeah, I, I got to give back. Uh, the the thing I want us to do, number one, is I want to I want to remind you all, and I think he said it over and over again, God gives us spiritual gifts. This is in 1 Corinthians. Like the church in Corinth was fighting over who had the best spiritual gifts and which one was most important. In the end, Paul says to him, look, guys, the reason you have spiritual gifts is to build up the body. And something like leadership focus or any gift that any of y'all have. Like this is, these exist not to stand up front necessarily, but to build up the body, to support the people next to you, to encourage each other, to, um, I think one of the best things I've seen in this church in in my 10 plus years has been uh, Francis, who would call people who she knew would get depressed regularly just to check in on them. Like, what a gift. And a quiet, and nobody sees it, and everything else, I mean, it's amazing. Um... My friend Ben here goes around. He is pulling people into ministry training, uh, oftentimes not people who aren't even going to go professional. They're just people who are learning to do ministry, and I want us to pray for them. Uh, and so if we can stand up. If you guys want to come forward and lay hands on them, or you can stand where you're at and hold your hand forward, but it does look a little weirder if we're not putting hands on him. Uh, so left hand, if, well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> And so we're going to pray for him real quick if you want to come forward. If you want to just put your hand forward, it is up to you. Uh, But we're going to pray for him in the ministry he does because Ben is really kind of amazing. Uh, I'm blessed to be able to work with him.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for the blessing that uh, Ben is to the State Church of God, to the uh, folks who honestly who have a calling on their lives, but but that calling is confusing or frustrating or what have you. Because you know, I pray that you would help him to go and find folks who who uh, just need to step into the gifts that God has given them and sharpen them and find discipleship and find relationships and find community and and um, help him to to speak uh, beyond himself, like through the Spirit, that you would speak through him and that uh, you would cultivate uh, the talents and the gifts and the blessings that people have, that they might use them to, to build up the body, that we might that we might look at the church not as something we get stuff out of, but as an opportunity to build each other up and stand together as a as a temple for you and as, as a place where people can come to know you. Help us to... Uh, Help us to raise up a generation of disciples um, to change this just this world that's kind of collapsing on us um, before our eyes right now. I pray for Ben in this. I pray that you would put a blessing on his life. Um, and anybody who felt called or, or felt a, a tickle uh, in them as the, as the Spirit moved, Lord God, that you would give them uh, conviction and courage to move forward. Um, in Christ's name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a good Sunday, folks. Uh,